the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Donald Trump announces his presidential bid for 2024. It's really not a new and improved Trump. It's not a Trump that we haven't seen before. Uh, if, if you like him, you like him. If you don't like him, you don't like him. Russia's largest missile strike against Ukraine sees missiles land in the NATO ally of Poland. Poland is meeting on this, and they'll likely have some kind of a press conference Well, they'll be able to put together the facts on it. Republicans clinch control of the House as Representative Kevin McCarthy is once again nominated for speaker. The mission is to stop Joe Biden's policies and to begin to lay out a forward look, not rearward look, forward looking vision. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, November 16th. I'm Mike Scott. Former President Donald Trump announced Tuesday night that he was running for president in 2024. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. The former president also stated that with his candidacy, he will, in his opinion, bring America back to its former glory. The decline of America is being forced upon us by Biden and the radical left lunatics running our government right into the ground. This decline is not a fate we must accept. When given the choice, boldly, clearly, and directly, I believe the American people will overwhelmingly reject the left's platform of national ruin, and they will embrace our platform of national greatness and glory to America. Glory. Donald Trump also filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission, which declared himself a candidate and established a new campaign committee. Trump's filing with the FEC created the Donald J. Trump for President 2024 committee and officially launched the 2024 Republican presidential primary, a contest where the dynamics have shifted dramatically in the past week. Bill Shear is an editor at Politico. He joined Fox News in the wake of the announcement and says that, in his opinion, Trump's speech was an attempt to make the former president seem more sober than when he ran in 2015. This seemed like kind of 75% teleprompter Trump and 25% unleashed Trump. Uh, and I assume that's because there's a recognition that he can't go all the way just with the Trump base, uh, that a lot of Trump pick candidates did not win their races this time around, uh, that there is uh, a fatigue uh, of, of, of his past. And so there was, I, th- I think, an attempt to seem a, a relatively more sober and presidential, but it's not natural for Trump to do that. So it comes across like a low energy Trump. Uh, 
but it's still, it, but it's it's really not a new and improved Trump. It's not a Trump that we haven't seen before. Uh, if if you like him, you like him. If you don't like him, you don't like him. Sheer goes on to say that he believes rebranding himself after 2020 may be difficult in the eyes of the public. It's bringing the band back together. It's it's the the the, the inner circle. Uh, some of the some folks have been indicted, like like Roger Stone, who got, and if I recall correctly, got pardoned. Uh, but you 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 didn't see anyone jet down from D.C. to be sure they're standing next to him. And I, I don't know if that's because Trump didn't reach out to them, or they or he didn't. Folks said no. Uh, this is still a, an attempt by Trump to reframe people's perceptions. Everything on his watch was fantastic. Everything under Biden is atrocious. Don't you want to go back to what you had? Uh, and that's a tough sell when you lost, when yeah. the people who were around for the past four years cast their verdict and said, we don't like how this is going. Uh, See, so there's, there's no sense from him about, oh, I got the message. I understand you didn't like how, what I did last time. I'm going to be better next time. Sheer surmises that without some acknowledgement of things Trump may have gotten wrong in his first term, there may be possibly an issue with connecting with voters. You, you might recall, you know, Bill Clinton was the boy governor of Arkansas, uh, and the Arkansas electorate thought he got too big for his britches, kicked him out of office after his first term, and he came back and he had he had some apologies. He, I, I heard what you were saying. He went on a listening tour to try to get some feedback, how he could readjust, uh, and then came back, you know, refresher and uh, and, and and rededicated to connecting with his own with with his people. Uh, that's not the Trump way. The Trump right. way is not acknowledging past mistakes and making adjustments. Trump's always going to be Trump. Uh, and that only works, in my opinion. I mean, could work to get the, get the nomination if the base is still loyal. But to win the general election, people have to really, really hate what's going on with the incumbent. And even in this past midterm with Biden in the low 40s, there wasn't so much hate that the public completely turned on on the Democrats and uh, gave Republicans the House in large numbers and gave Republicans the Senate. Meanwhile, before the midterms, many experts would have said that Trump was the undisputed frontrunner in his party's nominating contest, with some polls showing him 20 points over his closest rival. That all changed after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis won re-election in his state by an incredible 19-point margin. Today, some post-election polling is now showing DeSantis leading Trump in theoretical matchups for the Republican 2024 nomination. Florida Governor DeSantis seemed to answer Trump's criticisms on Tuesday. One of the things I've learned, like learned in this job, is um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning, and it's constantly attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, 
then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Uh, the fact of the matter is... You know, the fact of the matter is we um, it, it was the the, the greatest uh, Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida. Still, it's not officially known whether or not Ron DeSantis will announce his candidacy for president. But sources say that DeSantis has privately met with donors and started assembling his own presidential campaign to challenge Trump for the GOP nomination. Some Democrat strategists are excited at the prospect of a long primary challenge between Trump and the Florida governor as they see DeSantis as a formidable challenger. President Joe Biden likes the idea, too. When a reporter asked him on November 9 about Trump and DeSantis, the president said it will be fun watching them take on each other. On Tuesday, a Russian missile fell into Poland's territory near the Ukrainian border, killing two. Poland will increase the combat readiness of some troops and is considering activating Article 4 of the NATO Military Alliance Treaty. The article allows NATO members to bring any issue of concern, especially regarding security, for discussion at the North Atlantic Council. Article 4 does not mean there will be direct pressure to act. President Biden was meeting with world leaders in Bali, and when he was asked by reporters for more details, the president was not forthcoming. Mr. President, can you tell us what you know so far about the explosion in Poland, sir? Responding, Russia's defense ministry denied targeting the border. It called the reports by Polish media, who first reported the deaths, a deliberate provocation in order to escalate the situation. Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder says he can't comment on reports of Russian missiles crossing into Poland during a strike on Ukraine. We are aware of the press reporting on this. Uh, We have no information at this time to corroborate those reports, but again, are, are taking them seriously and looking into them. Ryder says if reports are true and a Russian missile has crossed into Poland, the U.S. will be prepared to defend Poland, a NATO country. When it comes to our security commitments uh, and Article 5, we've been crystal clear that we will defend every inch of NATO territory. Retired General Jack Keane joined Fox News to give his thoughts on the latest developments in Poland. Certainly uh, the loss of two lives and likely very unnecessary. uh, That's a tragedy for those families involved for sure. But, I mean, on the surface of this, this is not a military target in the area. It's, uh, this is one missile or two at most, and it appears that it's likely either an errant missile, because the Russians were firing a fuselage of missiles today, you know, in response to uh, Hershon falling and the celebration that took place yesterday by President Zelensky. Or it could be the Ukrainians also hit a missile and deflected it partially, but didn't destroy it. And it uh, found itself uh, in the Poland. But it, it does point up the danger that's involved here with the Russians firing so close to the Polish border. 
Keane says that it's an appropriate time to issue a warning to Russia from NATO to remind them of the consequences of recklessness. I think what we need to get here, the Poland is meeting on this and they'll likely have some kind of a press conference where they'll be able to put together the facts on it. But I also think that uh, NATO should should play a role here. Let's make the assumption it is an errant missile and there was no intent here on the part of the Russians. But the the recklessness of firing close to the border is an issue. And I think it, 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 it's a good time for NATO, one, to point that out to the Russians. Poland should do it as well. And also remind them uh, that NATO will respond if they're intentionally attacking a NATO country. And this is an appropriate time to issue, you know, that kind of warning again to uh, Russia. And look at what we don't talk about regularly is how many missiles the Russians misfire every single day that don't hit their targets. And it just points up the kind of incompetence of their military, not just their ground forces who have been struggling since the very beginning of the war, Mm -hmm. but even their missile forces, Sandra, uh, have serious problems. King goes on to say that right now, in his opinion, Poland and NATO are doing the right thing by being cautious. I think they they just don't know, and they're trying to ascertain that and taking the precautionary measures that they that they should be taking. That's the way I, I, I interpret that. It'll take some while to get all the facts together, and and, and likely the Ukrainians and the United States uh, will be able to shed some light on this, given uh, some of the systems that we have that are taking taking and watching what Russia is doing on a daily basis. But it may take some time, you know, to put that story together and put the facts together. Meantime, President Biden is asking Congress to provide more than $37 billion in emergency aid to Ukraine, a massive infusion of cash that would support the nation as Russian forces suffer battlefield losses and retreats in their nine-month-old invasion. Back to the midterm elections. On Tuesday, experts projected that Republicans will hold a majority in the House. The result finally came a week after the polls closed due to election laws in many states with very tight races. The result that clinched the projection for the GOP was California's third district. As of 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Republicans are projected to hold at least 218 seats, the minimum for a majority. News Nation's Leland Vitter breaks down the latest on the midterm results and points out that it will be difficult to manage a narrow majority. A huge deal that Republicans control the House in the larger sense. Probably the more surprising deal uh, is, number one, that we are saying this uh, now at 5.30 Central, 6.30 Eastern on Tuesday, November 15th. That is uh, a week minus about three hours of when we thought we were going to say this. We thought this would be over Tuesday at 9 p.m. It shows you how much harder of a time uh, Republicans have had. Right now, it's uh, 14 seats, I think, uh, left to go, uh, 218 to 203. Um, you end up with 220, 222 for Republicans, uh, 210, 215, something like that for Democrats. Uh, this is nowhere near the majority 
uh, that Republicans wanted. And I think uh, both uh, Bob Cusack and Scott made some great points when they talked about how difficult it is to manage a very, very narrow uh, majority. Nancy Pelosi uh, figured this out. Obviously, Chuck Schumer figured this out in the Senate uh, the past couple of years. And Republicans will have a hard time. Now, granted, they don't really have to pass uh, much in the way of uh, legislation. They can still be obstructionist to President Biden's agenda. But nevertheless, um, the, the infighting within the Republican caucus is something that Democrats are going to try and exploit. And we've already seen uh, a number of cable news channels really try to exploit that uh, for their own political ends. The thin majority has some Republican lawmakers grumbling about new leadership. However, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia threw her support behind Kevin McCarthy, saying Republicans can't afford to fracture their party. We need subpoena power. And in order to have subpoena power, we have to elect Kevin McCarthy. We can't, I can't support a challenge that will allow the Democrats to, to elect their own speaker by pulling some of ours. And we've already seen that happen. In fact... House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy announced his bid for Speaker of the House well before their majority was called. I'm proud to announce the era of one-party Democrat rule in Washington is over. We've got a close majority. We're going to have to work together. And we want to work with anyone that wants to make America stronger. We want to work with anybody on both sides of the aisle if they want to make America energy independent give their parents a say in their kids' education, or secure our borders, or stop defunding the police. We know there's challenges in this nation around the world. We're listening to the American public. We are prepared to lead, regardless of the size of the majority. The one thing you'll learn is, as my opportunity to be speaker, is the House is going to change. No longer is all the power going to rest the way Nancy had it. Um, no more proxy voting. Bills will actually go through committees. Um, they will be debated um, before they come to the floor, and people will actually have a say. When Juan won his primary, I called him that night, and he called me the next day, and he says, Kevin, you don't understand what it feels like. That my victory party was simply a few blocks away from the doctor's house my father and I used to go to mow the lawn, to wash the car, just so we had more money. And this country just nominated me to be a member of Congress. When he got called last night, he called me. He was emotional like I'm emotional. That's the greatness of this country. But what I'm really proud of is, you just said about our party, from John James, from Wesley Hunt, Monica De La Cruz, Myra Flores. We, some we came very close, Alan Fong and others. This party is more reflective of our country than almost any time in our nation, and it's only going to continue to grow. And you know what that means? You may have not looked at the Republican Party before, but your voice is going to be listened here. There's an opportunity. We ask that you join with us. This nation has a lot of challenges, and we pledge to you that we will work to solve it so the next generation is the American generation. Meanwhile, Florida Senator Rick Scott says he will mount a bid to unseat Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell. Scott was urged to challenge McConnell by Donald Trump a few hours before the former president announced his bid for the presidency. But Scott has been planning this long before the Trump comments. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says he wants another term 
as the Senate Republican leader. I think the outcome is pretty clear. I want to repeat again. Uh, I have the votes. I will be elected. The only issue is whether we do it sooner or later. McConnell went on to say he is ready for Senator Rick Scott's bid to unseat him as Senate Republican leader. I don't own this job. Um, Anybody in the conference is certainly entitled to challenge me. And uh, I welcome the contest. McConnell also says that the GOP, which for now has failed to take control of the Senate, learned a lesson with the results of the midterm elections. We underperformed among independents and moderates because their impression of many of the people in our party in leadership roles is that they're involved in chaos, negativity, uh, excessive uh, attacks, and it, it frightened uh, independent and moderate Republican voters. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo joined the Salem Radio Network and says that regardless of who ends up being speaker, what's important is that Republicans begin to deliver for the American people. The reason they went there, this is the thing folks lose track of uh, when they just go on Twitter or uh, rant. They lose track of they came for a mission. The the mission that everyone talked about was stopping the Biden policies. He's made clear he's not going to stop them, right? He said... Well, am I going to change? I'm not going to make any change. The mission is to stop Joe Biden's policies and to begin to lay out a forward-looking, not rearward-looking, but forward-looking vision for America. It's what the candidates who won campaigned on, and it's the task that they have in front of them. And that, that's going to be hard because it's going to be a very slim majority. I have seen this uh, in Congress. When you have a slim majority, everybody thinks they're the deciding vote. They can get exactly what they want. Instead, we should rally around the traditional American uh, Republican value set make clear to the American people why Joe Biden has failed them. And here is our actual no BS solution to fixing those things. It's what we missed on Tuesday night. Pompeo believes that moving forward, Republicans need to do a better job of articulating their solutions to America's problems, not just highlighting what those problems are. Uh, I'm less worried, to be honest with you, with the palace intrigue. Uh, I am much more worried about our focus to make sure that as we we move into what is now the 2024 campaign season, as we move into making this case over these next 23 months, we have to articulate why it is we can actually fix. We we talked about crime. We we talked about high inflation. We talked about crazy open borders. But we didn't convince enough Americans in the places that matter most. We didn't convince them that we could actually fix those problems. And for that reason – they said, well, I don't know. Um, I think I'll vote for the incumbents, right? I think there was one statewide uh, official between Senate races and governor races that lost as an incumbent. This was an incumbent election, and uh, uh, that didn't let us get where we needed in the Senate. So it's going to be whoever leads the Senate is going to be the darn minority leader. Texas Governor Greg Abbott declared an invasion at the state's border with Mexico for the first time in modern history. The declaration essentially provides that the federal government has failed to protect citizens and the state may defend itself. The state's self-defense clause outlined in Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution and the invasion clause in Article 4, Section 4 says that if the federal government fails to protect a state, the governor may take action for the state to protect itself. 
This news comes as a federal judge vacated the Title 42 policy that allowed border agents to rapidly expel migrants without letting them seek asylum, toppling a Trump-era policy embraced by the Biden administration. U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan in Washington, D.C., found the policy violated the Administrative Procedures Act, striking down the controversial policy. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer takes a look at this rapidly developing story. A federal judge in Washington has ordered the Biden administration to lift Trump-era asylum restrictions that have been a cornerstone of border enforcement since the beginning of COVID-19. The regulation was authorized under Title 42 of a broader law covering public health. U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan has ruled that enforcement must end immediately for families and single adults, saying it violates federal rulemaking procedures. However, the ruling conflicts with another ruling in May by a federal judge in Louisiana that asylum restrictions remain in place. The current ruling stems from a lawsuit filed by the American Civil Liberties Union on behalf of asylum-seeking migrants. Migrants have been expelled from the United States more than 2.4 million times since Title 42 took effect in March 2020. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Walmart has agreed to pay $3.1 billion to settle lawsuits nationwide. Daybreak Insider's John Scott breaks down this story. This deals with the impact of the prescriptions its pharmacies filled with powerful prescription opioid painkillers. The deal would still need to be approved by 43 states to take effect. It follows a similar announcement from pharmacy chain CVS Health and Walgreens. They each said they would pay about $5 billion over time to settle suits they face. The opioid crisis in the U.S. has been linked to more than 500 deaths over the past two decades. John Scott reporting. Victims of a deadly parade crash speak out at a sentencing hearing for the driver. Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue has more from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Daryl Brooks Jr. drove his red SUV through the parade in downtown Waukesha last year. Lindsay Conkle's family was in the parade. In a split second, excited cheers turned into sounds of screaming and horror. A trail of bloody bodies were left laying in the road. Brooks was convicted of 76 charges, including six counts of first-degree intentional homicide. Sherry Sparks' eight-year-old son, Jackson, was killed. I feel gutted and broken. It hurts to breathe sometimes. Sparks says Brooks has shown no empathy. She wants the maximum sentence. This man not only took Jackson away from our family, he violently ripped Jackson out of our lives. Each homicide count against Brooks carries a mandatory life sentence. I'm Ed Donahue. And finally. This week, the U.N. announced that the world's population will have reached 8 billion people. And India is expected to surpass China as the most populous country next year. The world will be a little more crowded this week. The United Nations says the global population will hit 8 billion at some point today. And sometime next year, India will replace China as the most populous country. The agency also reports while it took 12 years for the world population to go from 7 billion to 8 billion, the population won't reach 9 billion until 2037, so another 15 years. Since 1950... The global population has tripled as mortality dropped and life expectancy increased. 
Eight countries will make up half of the world's population by 2050. The Democrat Republic of Congo, Egypt, Ethiopia, India, Nigeria, and the Philippines, and Tanzania. Two of the most populous regions in the world this year were China and India. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.